The following is a reflection on the feast day of the conversion of St. Paul the Apostle. The first reading is taken from Acts chapter 22, verses 3 to 16. The responsorial is Psalm 117, and the gospel is Mark chapter 16, verses 15 to 18. On this feast of the conversion of St. Paul, we are reminded of what is involved in the transformation of a person from sinner to saint. We begin with Paul's pre-conversion. He was born into a devout Jewish family sometime between 5 BC and 5 AD in the city of Tarsus. From the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, he was highly educated at the school of Gamaliel, one of the most respected rabbis at the time. We know from Galatians chapter 1 verse 13 that Paul advanced in Judaism more than his contemporaries, and was zealous for the law, or as he says, for the traditions of my fathers. One aspect of this seal was his persecution of the early church in an attempt to destroy it. Notice that Paul was not leading a profligate life of debauchery prior to his conversion, but rather was steeped in a false understanding of holiness. He was zealous, but for the wrong thing trying to serve God, but misunderstanding God's nature and his will. But Jesus knew what Paul's capabilities were, and that the Gentiles needed someone to preach the good news to them. So the zeal and passion of Paul would be redirected through a radical conversion. God chose the most unlikely person who hated Christianity to do his bidding, teaching us the first two lessons in conversion. That is, one, no one is beyond the reach of mercy. And second, God does not just save us from something, but for something. Turning to Paul's actual conversion, undoubtedly one of the catalysts was the stoning of St. Stephen, at which he was present and a participant holding the coats of the perpetrators and approving of their murder. As Stephen was at the point of death, he cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them, in imitation of Jesus' prayer from the cross. This was after Stephen's exhaustive defense of Christ at his trial, using the history of the patriarchs in the Old Testament and the stubbornness of God's people, including their apostasy, and his testimony of seeing heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. St. Stephen's powerful testimony and prayer were instrumental in Paul's conversion, especially when one considers that St. Stephen would have continued praying for Paul in heaven. Thus the third lesson in today's feast is the importance of intercessory prayer for the conversion of others. God has given us the dignity of being co-redeemers by our free will actions, even to the benefit of our enemies. We also see the involvement of Ananias in today's first reading, who, although afraid of Paul, obeyed the Lord and went to Paul while he was blind and in Damascus, and laid his hands on him, and Paul was healed. Importantly, Ananias said, quote, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me to you, that you may regain your sight, end of quote. Notice the first two words spoken, Brother Saul. 
warmth, and fellowship are extended to one who so persecuted the church, combined with his recollection of the words of St. Stephen, forgiving his enemies as he was being stoned, must have marked Saul deeply. Thus the fourth lesson in this feast is the importance of love in our efforts at evangelization. Ananias also said to Paul, quote, Be filled with the Holy Spirit, giving us the fifth lesson, that is, when God calls a person to mission, he also equips him. The Holy Spirit will be absolutely vital to Paul as we read in his famous chapter 8 of his letter to the Romans, where the Spirit of God is repeated 19 times. As to the actual encounter of conversion, it happened most unexpectedly and at a time when Paul was at his worst, actually on the way to arrest Christians in Damascus. God took the initiative, as is always the case, and through a bright light sent Paul to the ground, saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? When Saul asked, Who are you, Lord? Jesus answered, I am Jesus the Nazarene, and you are persecuting me. Here, as part of the conversion, is a tremendous revelation that Paul would never forget, in fact, would integrate as the essential feature of his theology, that is, Christ identifies with his church so deeply that to persecute one is to persecute the other. Christ and the church are head and members of the same body. Another feature of Paul's conversion is its existential aspect. Paul was not so much persuaded by a set of ideas or arguments, but by his dramatic encounter with a person, the second person of the Divine Trinity. Knocked to the ground by a blinding light and hearing words that pierced him to the heart, Paul's pride as a Pharisee of Pharisees was seared. He needed to be led by the hand to Damascus, where he would not eat for three days. It is often only after a person has experienced crushing defeat or failure where their heart is broken that they become useful to the Master, able to be formed for any good work. After his conversion, Paul was so changed that he considered his past so-called accomplishments as nothing compared to life in Christ. As he would say in his letter to the Philippians, quote, But whatever gain I had, I count as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as refuse, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, becoming like him in his death, that if possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. End of quote. Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 to 10. For St. Paul, it was not so much what he lost, but what he had found, the pearl of great price. Paul would say in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. On this feast of the conversion of St. Paul, we are reminded of our own continuing need for conversion, our need to turn over more completely to God those areas of our lives in which we struggle. In this regard, the Feast of St. Paul's Conversion gives us hope 
because God was able to transform a zealous enemy of Christianity into one of his most effective leaders. But this required Paul's cooperation with God's grace. God took the initiative, intervened in Paul's life as he does in ours. But Paul had to respond, and he does by asking the crucial question, What shall I do, Lord? This is a question we must ask God often in our lives, especially when we experience times of failure and sin, because with the help of God's grace, we are able to overcome any defect. At the same time, we can and should be praying for the conversion of others, our family and friends, indeed the whole world. The Divine Mercy Chaplet in this regard is an excellent prayer. Quote, for the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and the whole world. We should especially pray for the conversion of our government leaders and those in authority, as St. Paul urges us to do in 1 Timothy chapter 2. Then be ready to help those who are struggling to overcome sin, as Ananias did for St. Paul. This would include giving witness to how God helped us overcome some particular addiction or weakness and being willing to extend forgiveness, not to hold sin against someone when the Lord has forgiven them. This is certainly what the Christians in Jerusalem had to do with Paul as he previously inflicted much suffering on them. But because of their forgiveness, Paul was able to begin his ministry with the right hand of fellowship. Finally, on this feast of Paul's conversion, we should not forget the tremendous impact this had on salvation history. Paul went on to establish many Christian communities and would write a good part of the New Testament. We should be encouraged then to strive for continual conversion because we just don't know how this will impact the lives of those around us, or to put it another way, how our failure to convert wounded areas of our lives could cause a stumbling block for others. How many Catholics are out of the church because they have been hurt by someone in the church. The recent scandals involving the leadership of the church both in its priests and bishops should move us to greater efforts in our own conversion. So we ask St. Paul for his intercession that we might turn our lives ever more completely to God. I conclude with a quote from St. John Chrysostom on the life and ministry of St. Paul. Quote, Amid the traps set for St. Paul by his enemies, with exultant heart he turned their every attack into a victory for himself. Constantly beaten, abused and cursed, he boasted of it as though he were celebrating a triumphant procession and taking trophies home and offering thanks to God for it all. Thanks be to God who is always victorious in us. This is why he was far more eager for the shameful abuse that his zeal in preaching brought upon him than we are for the most pleasant honors, more eager for death than we are for life, for poverty than we are for wealth. He yearned for toil far more than others yearn for rest after toil. The one thing he feared, indeed dreaded, was to offend God. Nothing else could sway him. Therefore the only thing he really wanted was always to please God. The most important of all to him, however, was that he knew himself to be loved by Christ.
Enjoying this love, he considered himself happier than anyone else. Were he without it, it would be no satisfaction to be the friend of principalities and powers. He preferred to be thus loved and to be the least of all, or even to be among the damned, than to be without that love and be among the great and honored. To be separated from that love was, in his eyes, the greatest and most extraordinary of torments. The pain of that loss would alone have been hell, an endless unbearable torture. So too, in being loved by Christ, he thought of himself as possessing life, the world, the angels, present and future, the kingdom, the promises, and countless blessings. Apart from that love, nothing saddened or delighted him, for nothing earthly did he regard as bitter or sweet. Paul set no store by the things that fill our visible world any more than a man sets value on the withered grass of the field. As for tyrannical rulers or the people enraged against him, he paid them no more heed than gnats. Death itself and pain and whatever torments might come were but child's play to him, provided that thereby he might bear some burden for the sake of Christ. End of quote. Let us pray. O God, who taught the whole world through the preaching of the blessed Apostle Paul, draw us, we pray, nearer to you through the example of him whose conversion we celebrate today, and so make us witness to your truth in the world. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen.